Well, grace and peace to you this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are so glad that you are here with us. I know that I was not uh, supposed to speak this morning, but um, uh, Jeremy had a, a, a situation up at his home congregation that, that he needed to be there. And so I'd ask you to please uh, pray for him and pray for that congregation, that community, as they deal with a, a, an unexpected tragedy and uh, that we're going to work to get him with us uh, hopefully uh, later this spring or sometime I'll be in touch with him in the next week or so and then we'll get that information to you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to continue our study of the book of 1 Corinthians. If you have a Bible, you can open to 1 Corinthians 9. We're kind of going chapter by chapter and, and looking, at this, um, looking at this book and letting God's Word speak to us. But before we open Scripture we need to ask a question. And we need to reflect on a question. What guides my life? And how we answer this question is going to determine how we read Scripture. We live in a time of tribalism and echo chambers. And so social media has allowed us to create spaces where we only hear the voices that we want to hear. And when we live in echo chambers, we are never challenged. We never grow. We, we never are, are transformed into anything beyond what we already are. Uh, th this is nothing new. We actually see uh, this mentality prevalent in the Old Testament times when there were false prophets. And these false prophets would tell the kings whatever it is that king wanted to hear. And so the kingdom could be burning down all around them. But, but the false prophets would assure the king that everything's okay. Everything's okay. Imagine if uh, medical doctors treated us this way. If they told us just to, to eat whatever makes you happy. If they assured us that, that any pains that we might be feeling, well, that's just nothing to worry about. No need for tests, no need for specialists. Just keep on enjoying your life. We all understand that that, that would not end well. We don't want our doctor to tell us what we want to hear. We want them to guide us in the ways that lead to longevity. We want to know what is healthy and what is unhealthy. We, we, we want to know when something is wrong with our body so that we can go and we can get that addressed. What is of more importance than our physical health is our spiritual health. And so before we open the Word of God, we need to consider this question, what guides my life? Because we can come to Scripture and not get anything out of it. We can come to Scripture and not benefit from what we read. We can come to Scripture and not hear what we need to hear. And so this is why we reflect on this question. What is guiding my life? Is it me? Is it my tribe? Is it some ideology that I bought into that I prefer? Or is it God? Do we pray, not my will, but yours be done? 
Do we come to Scripture ready to be challenged and ready to have our lives transformed into the image of Christ? The psalmist writes, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so, in other words, Scripture is to guide us throughout our life. We are not to come to Scripture to affirm what we already believe or or to get ammunition for arguments that we want to win. We come to Scripture to allow it to guide us. And we are to submit ourselves to what we read and allow this living word to work in us. Now, I remind us of all of that because 1 Corinthians can challenge us in many ways. It can challenge those of us who value perfection and think everything should be a certain way those of us who don't like messes. It can challenge those of us who are wrestling with sexual identity. It can challenge those of us who value worldly wisdom and want to cling to power and prestige. And it can also challenge those of us who think highly of our rights and our freedoms. And this is the focus of chapter 9. In fact, this is a conversation that begins back in chapter 8. Just a refresher from last week, some of the church members in Corinth understood that they had a right to eat meat sacrificed to idols. They, They possessed that knowledge. But Paul wrote to them and reminded them that that knowledge puffs up, but it is love that strengthens the church. And so they may have a right to eat the meat, but that does not mean they should. And there are other things that, that must be taken into consideration. And so we must think of others. That's Paul's point in chapter 8. We must think of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we as Americans, we value our rights and our freedoms, but we understand that freedom is not a virtue in and of itself. And so just because we have a right or, or, or we have freedom to do a certain thing does not mean we should. It was freedom that was the basis for the sexual revolution. And so many people believed that they should be free to do whatever they wanted to do sexually. We now live in a time when secular people are beginning to question this belief because it's now evident that it did not lead to human flourishing. It was not good. We have freedom of speech. But does this mean that we should say whatever we want to? We have freedom of religion, but does this mean that we should go and worship Satan? People can use freedoms and rights in perverse and evil ways. And so we should never do something just because we have the right to do it. Or just because we have the freedom to do it. Freedoms and rights are good. But we need to think beyond our freedoms and rights, or we may end up going down a very dark path. And so the first part of chapter 9 is a discussion of all Paul's rights. This is what he does. He, just, he, he talks about his rights. 
But then in verse 12, he says this, Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. And so Paul again reminds the Corinthians there that there are more important things than rights. In chapter 8, he reminds them that you know, their brothers and sisters in Christ are more important than their rights. And now in chapter 9, he's going to remind them that the gospel of Christ is more important than their rights. And so our, our freedoms and our rights are meaningless if we do not pursue a greater good. And Paul's whole point in the first part of this chapter is that he is willing to forego his rights if it benefits the spread of the gospel. And so what are we willing to give up for the sake of the gospel? What are we willing to sacrifice? What rights and freedoms are we willing to lay down? These are the questions that this chapter of Scripture wants us to wrestle with and wants us to contemplate. And all of this is the foundation for the most famous part of this chapter, the one that, that gets quoted, the one that most of us know. It comes in verses 19 through 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel." that I may share with them in its blessings. And so here is the philosophy that we are to live by. Though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. What captivates our, our mind and guides our steps shouldn't be our rights and our freedoms. It should be the gospel of Christ. And so instead of asking, what can I do? We should be asking, what should I do? And, and Paul is being guided by something bigger, by something uh, of more value than his rights and his freedoms. Paul states, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. And just think about this for a moment. What are you willing to do to share the gospel with someone? Paul is saying here that he's willing to do whatever it takes. And so what about us? You know, I mentioned earlier how Tribalism is a big problem that we're facing in our culture. We, we, we just surround ourselves with a tribe, and we don't want to go beyond that tribe. We don't want to 
consider other viewpoints. We don't want to be challenged by, by different ways of looking at the world. We want to stay within our own tribe, within a bubble, because that's where we feel comfortable. That's where everyone believes the same way. Everyone's just like us. But Paul says, I've become all things to all people. He's willing to leave his tribe. He's willing to engage in uncomfortable conversations. He's willing to eat strange foods. He's willing to go to foreign lands. And he's willing to spend time around people that are not like him. And he does all of this just so that he might have an opportunity to share the good news with someone. And so what about us? What are we willing to become in order to share the gospel with someone else? I want you to listen how this, to how this passage is translated in the message. I believe they do a good job here where it says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. And so are we willing to enter into the world of another? Are we willing to try and experience things from a different point of view? Are we willing to become New Yorkers or Californians? Democrats, Republicans, hippies, rednecks, Aggies, <laughs> Longhorns, I know. Are we willing to become poor? Are we willing to become educated? Are we willing to associate with the lowly? Are we willing to try and understand our enemies? What are we willing to do? Well, we don't have to go across the country or go around the world. There are a lot of people here in Fayette County who, who have different beliefs and different worldviews than we do. And I think that's where we need to begin. How are we going to reach them? What are we going to do? It's important to, to state here that Paul is not asking us to sin. He, he's not asking us to violate our conscience. But he is asking us to sacrifice. He's asking us to put down our rights and our freedoms so that we might have the opportunity to share the gospel with someone else, someone who's not like us. He's asking us to take a risk to go out on a limb, to do something that will make us feel uncomfortable in order to share the gospel. And so are we willing? 
And I know that's a lot to ask. But maybe the sacrifice that God is calling us to is closer than we realize. Maybe God's calling us to to look next door. Maybe God's calling us to open our home and invite someone to our table. It could just be a neighbor or a co-worker or an acquaintance. Not all sacrifices are the same, but we are called to do something. And this isn't just for evangelists. It isn't just for preachers and elders. It isn't just for those who feel qualified to do so. None of us are qualified. It's for everyone. And this is what it means to be church. We have received something very precious. We, those of us who are here this morning, have been blessed with good news. We have encountered Christ and we will never be the same. And all of this is too good to keep to ourselves. We must share it with others. As we wrap up here, let me say this. Sharing is not telling. That's not what Paul's describing here. What he's describing is a relationship. It is an investment in someone else. It is becoming what they are. That's what he's describing. Becoming what they are so that they might hear what we have to say. And that requires time and energy. And it may require us opening our homes. It may require us to to go to where others are at. It is a giving of ourselves. It is sacrifice. And we do this for the sake of the gospel, but we also do it for us. There's benefit there for ourselves. Because what Paul is describing here is a blessed way of living. It is the Jesus way. We put down our wants and our desires, and we consider what is best for someone else. We take on the mind of Christ. We deny ourselves and we take up our cross. It is a journey with God that leads to unexpected places and unexpected blessings. And we don't just do it because we have to or because we're being guilted into it. We do it because we know where we go, God will be there. And he will show up. And we will encounter him in and through the people that we meet. And so these are not just commands. This is an invitation into a different way of living. And it can be scary at first because we want to cling to what is ours. We want to cling to what we know. But Jesus says, lay it down and follow me. And once we do this, we will see how truly blessed we are. And so this is our calling. To become all things to all people that by all means we might save some. So this morning, I ask you, who are you becoming? Let's pray. Father, we approach your throne again this morning. And 
We thank you for this word that is challenging to us. And it's scary to many of us here at this place this morning. Because we don't like the unknown. We don't like what is different. But we also understand that this is a word for us. It is a good word. It is your word. And that when we submit ourselves to this word, that we will become better people. That we will look more like your son, Jesus. And not only that, we will share your good news with others. And we will make this community and this world a better place. So I pray, Father, that you would give us courage this morning. Courage to embrace this word and to go out and to share your good news with people in this community. I pray that we would have courage to open our homes and invite people to our tables and invest in others. Maybe others who look quite different for us. And that we would do all this for the sake of your gospel. We're so thankful for Jesus who has led the way and showed us how to do this. May we look to him for guidance and encouragement. We pray this in his holy name. Amen.